we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and we kind of break up kind of smaller sections because there's a lot of cool stuff in here. This is another one of those where I'm going to jump and do the whole chapter. Uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff in there, but my tendency is I can get caught up in some of the details sometimes. And, and, uh, and I think this is one that I will get a better picture of what it's about. If uh, Now I sound like I'm on. Okay. So did, did you, I, I didn't think I was on earlier, but sometimes it's just the monitors and I can't hear myself. Anyway, uh, so we're going we're gonna to kind of take a little bit more of a bird's eye view. We're going to hit the verses, but we're not going to go into super detail. And we're hitting really this, this theme again. And I know most of you who if you haven't been here in a while or you, you, know, you, you were thinking when you came to church, man, I hope he explains Melchizedek. Um, well, you should have come last week. Uh, you know, or, or maybe you're like, you know, coming here and you're going, man, do we have a high priest anymore? Like, is Jeff a priest? You know, did, should I have to wear a collar? I don't know. Uh, and so we, we've been talking about, um, you know, the, these big issues that, that maybe you don't immediately think of, but they really are uh, relevant to our lives. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was, I got so stoked about this, I was, I was up in a deer stand uh, Friday night because that's what you should always do during a snowstorm, uh, right? Can I, can I, can I, I get no amens. Uh, I, I, I probably should have had some more layers. Let's just say the Holy Spirit was still in me, but the heat was not. Uh, I, I, was, I was regretting things, uh, but it was also beautiful. And it, I just, I started thinking about uh, today's sermon and I got pretty stoked. So hopefully you will too. But Hebrews chapter eight, uh, we're going to jump in. Uh, so here's the main point. We have a high, that's, that's, you know, the author of Hebrews writing it, not me. Here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And so high priest, again, this is maybe for some of you, if you've been in church a while, you, you hear the high priest thing. Maybe if you if you read the Bible the first time through, if you, you know, because this is like the season where we, we make the pledge to read the Bible and a lot of us have Bibles that Genesis has been read multiple times, but you know it, it kind of they get they get newer as you get into the Bible because maybe you, you fell off at some point. But if you read through through the, the Old Testament, you read there's this there's a tabernacle, there's a temple, there's all kinds of things, and it's cool stuff. And we talk about it sometimes because it's Jesus Day. There is a version of the temple there, uh, but but most of us you know we're not you know we're not thinking about that maybe. But there it, there's this this idea that there's this high priest, the one who mediates the presence between God. And people, and we have Jesus as the great high priest. And that's sort of been the theme for the last couple of weeks. Even back in Hebrews chapter 4, I keep going back to this verse because I really think this is such an important verse and concept, even though maybe at first glance you're like, oh boy, lots about a temple. (laughs) Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, sorry, verse 14 says this. Uh, and we went over it last week and probably the week before, I don't know. So then, since we have a great high priest who, was, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. Uh, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. And, and so Jesus understands our weaknesses. Jesus went through all the stuff we did. And I, I use this quote, and it, it's, it's one of those quotes. I mean, sometimes I read a lot of stuff. I read a lot of books. Some of you know, you go to my office, or stacks of books. I got a new bookshelf. Now I just got to get the books from the piles and stacks on the floor onto the shelf. Uh, that, that's the next step. And some of you, may, I should probably do it on a snow day right? But I don't get snow days because 
four-wheel drive. Uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, he, he understands our weakness. And this, this, I, I love this quote. Um, I, I don't quote a lot of theologians, but I occasionally do. But this guy, he just said it so well. He says, not that Jesus shared in our experience of sin. The author makes it clear he did not. But he did share in our experience of being tempted, a difficult aspect of life that all too often leads to sin. And, and I think most of us, you know, except maybe like the two of you over there who've never sinned. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the mom laughing hard for the child. Uh, but most of us understand sin, and most of us understand temptation all too well because, you know, you're tempted. Sometimes you do well, sometimes you don't. Uh, you know, I, I think of it like dessert. You know, we probably shouldn't always eat dessert, but, you know, when there's a big pile of donuts there, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, well, if we, sh we shouldn't eat nothing but, you know, if, 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 if sin is like a donut, the problem is, man, we all like, we dive headfirst into that box. I thought about getting donuts for everyone this morning. I probably should have. That should have been like reward for making it out this morning. Man, that's the biggest amen I've gotten out of this section yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> amen. Donuts. Um, but he, he understands our weakness, but he didn't go for it. And, and there's so many things in, in our life, you know, kind of if, if sin is like a baited hook, man, we go after it, right? But, but Jesus went through it, and he understands it. And, and then instead of being like, ha, I, I, I got through and you didn't, he has compassion on us instead. And, and so that's really this, this key part to, to our faith in Christ. And he was different than us, but he understands us. And we, we have this great high priest who understands, and therefore we have access to God in a different way. Because our, our high priest, and it says he sat down. Now, it, it's interesting. Uh, those of you who are like nerds, Bible nerds, can I get an amen to the couple? You know, uh, and I know Lee, who's probably watching online. Oh, did I send you the link? I hope I did. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I, Lee monitors things online, and I sometimes forget to send her links. Um, and then I get messages like, hey, Jeff, where's that link? Uh, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you have like a study Bible and it's got pictures of everything, like the tabernacles and temples, and, and, and you know, you kind of, you, you get an idea for where things are and everything. If you look at the temple, you know what's not kind of there? A chair. Like the priest doesn't like just chill in there, like it's his living room, you know, like he's sitting in there hanging out. You know, he goes in, does a job, but I, I like it, and, and maybe I'm making too much out of this, but Jesus sits down. He's done. The work's done. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. What that means is he's seated in his rightful place of authority. And, and so we don't have a high priest that's still working stuff out. We got a high priest who's got it done. And I was thinking so much of, because I'm thinking about the, the last sayings of Christ and things, you know, Jesus said, it is finished. Uh, when he's on the cross, and it's finished. And, and so we have the high priest there. He's chilling with God. He's taking his rightful place. It says he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. Now, earthly tabernacle. Now, there was the tabernacle, and, and some of you, I, 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 I got to briefly hit this so you don't lose, get lost. Tabernacle was sort of the portable temple. Uh, you know, it was like the RV version, you know, they, they could, like, or tenting version. They could throw it all up. And they worship God and the Israelites because they were in the desert. And, you know, Moses wasn't, didn't stop and ask for directions. So they spent a really long time there. That's a joke. You can laugh. At least give me a courtesy laugh. It wasn't that funny, but <laughs> throw, throw me a bone here. Throw me a bone. I'm preaching after shoveling a lot of snow. <laughs> 
and I'm thankful though for those who got to shovel here before we got, and my kids are thankful too, because, you know, um, well, I just make them shovel a lot of snow. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but, you know, uh, so he meant, you know, the earthly tabernacle was sort of this, this portable temple, if you will, and then when they, they move into, they, they get into the promised land, they eventually build a, a real one, uh, not right away, but eventually they do, and then that gets destroyed, all kinds of stuff. But they have this, sort of this, this earthly one. It's, it, the earthly one is sort of the temporary place, and, you know, uh, and, it, it, I, and it's sort of like a, a picture of the real. It's not the real one, but it, you know, there, there's ultimately this, this eternal, this, this real, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this heavenly tabernacle. Uh, but there's sort of the, the earthly one is sort of a, a, a sort of a, a picture of it, but ultimately there's this this one in, in heaven where we worship God. And I picture it like a snow fort because there's lots of snow. You build a snow fort. It's not like a really a real fort, right? But it, it's representative of a real fort, and it does the job for it's got to do. Or like the play kitchen or workbench. You know, depending on, I, I'm not trying to be gender specific, but, you know, we had like the little kitchen and the kids would play with it. And, they, you know, some of you, you teach kids. Like, 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 and then like someone gave us like the, the like tool bench and everything. That was so much fun, you know. <laughs> I remember our kids like want to like get into the door. I think it was Josh. He comes up with a chainsaw. He's like wanting to get in the door. He's like, <laughs> a little toy chainsaw. So cute. <laughs> Don't worry. I didn't give him a real chainsaw till he was five. Uh, <laughs> I'm responsible. <laughs> Actually, I think he was like four or five running a hydraulic log splitter. I don't know if I'm a good parent or a bad parent for that, but I did get a lot of work done with his help, so I appreciate that. And he's still running a splitter today. <laughs> uh, few less fingers, but hey, no. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's, so there's this, this, this the earthly uh, tabernacle is sort of this picture of what it is in heaven. And so it says, and it says, every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices. Our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already priests who offer gifts required by law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. Uh, Kind of of think of that shadow thing for a moment. Don't think, you know, Plato and everything, those of you who are thinking Greek philosophy, not that kind. But for when, uh, that's a bigger, that's, see, that's a nerdy discussion that I'd love to have with people that nobody wants. <laughs> they, they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy of Shadow of the Real One in Heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him his warning, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on the mountain. And so the high priest offers sacrifices, uh, and you know, ultimately Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And I, I've said this before, but when I read, read through the Old Testament, the first time, the Hebrew Bible, I'm going, should I have to slaughter sheep? You know, like I'm memorizing how to do it. I'm memorizing how to carry arcs and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I don't know why we don't have an ark anymore. I hadn't, you know, paid enough attention in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't know the history yet. Uh, but, but, you know, <laughs> and so Jesus is now, he's the perfect sacrifice. So no more sacrifices are needed. It's only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. Um, and I was thinking of how to explain this, and I was thinking about, you ever get advertised something, and then you buy it, and it's not quite what it looked like online? I mean, like any, any fast food meal, like you see the picture, you're like, oh man, that, that, that Big Mac is like ginormous, and you're like, can't wait, and you order 10 of them. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's just me. But, you know, uh, you get it, nah, nah, not so much. Or you order something online because it's like the picture looks so good and it's always like 90% off. 
Yeah, 90% of, off the quality, because then you get it, and it's like, eh, uh, or, you know, shady items you buy on the street. Anyone? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this watch was a dollar. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, or, or I was picturing, actually, I, I think it was like Josh was playing like 2K or something. It was like, um, like is that the basketball game? Yeah, it, it's like I, I walked in, and I thought it was like he was watching a basketball game. But no, it was like an actual, like, video game. And it was kind of cool because it looked kind of like the real thing. And it was cool because it was participatory too. But it wasn't the real thing, right? And that's kind of how it is. It's the earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple, all this deal is a shadow of the, of the heavenly reality. And so um, I like F.F. Bruce, he said this, and I, I looked up the... I, the quote didn't quite fit, but I was reading this, this commentary, and so I'm going to paraphrase him. It's a shadow only because it foreshadows what's to come. Uh, great play on words, little dad joke there. <laughs> uh, and so ultimately, everything in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, all the sacrificial system, everything ultimately is pointing us to Jesus. And so now there's, we're at this moment in history when they're writing this letter uh, that, that, you know, it's just kind of happened recently. And they're pointing everyone to, hey, it's no longer just this shadow reality of stuff, but, but here's the real deal. We have Jesus. And they're excited. Uh, you should be. Verse 6 says this, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he's the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. It's superior. No more of the old stuff the old priesthood. It's not needed because Jesus is here. And I was thinking of that. Now, some of you um, are old enough to remember other forms of media. Uh, anyone remember records? Anyone have records growing up? Okay. Anyone? Eight tracks. Oh, man, that seemed like such a cool thing. Some of you were too oh, young. And, uh, uh, some of you cassettes. Remember cassettes? Okay. And, uh, and then, then it's like uh, CDs came out. Anyone remember CDs? You notice I said remember CDs? Because now it's funny because I've told you before, Josh, like, he's like, he likes to get a movie on a DVD because it's nostalgic, like the old days. <laughs> for those of you over 40, let that sink in for a second. Something that, like a, a DVD is nostalgic, like the old days. And think about it, because everything's streaming now. And I don't know what's next. Matrix, they plug us in and we just get the movie. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, you know the, there's a superior, a superior thing now. And, and so you, we might look at all the old media and look back at it. We like the sound of vinyl now, and so we're bringing it back. And we're hipster, and we got record players and all kinds of stuff. You know, that, that's also awesome. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend who collects it, and I'm like, I'm in the thrift store, and I see, I'm like, hey, I see the Iron Maiden in vinyl, you know. Uh, some of you are, like, excited. You want me to buy you that? Um, anyway, you guys know I'm a metalhead at heart. But, you know, it's kind of cool, but, you know, we don't have to do sacrifices now. There's no, there's no burning incense. We don't have essential oils everywhere in church, although some of you are into that. It's this radical shift from the old to the new. And so, but the problem is sometimes we look back at the old with nostalgia, right? And so one of the things that the, that the author of Hebrews here is addressing is the fact that you 
one can tend to go back to the old. So Jesus is here, but then you're thinking, oh, well, now most of us are not like, oh, well, should I worship at the temple too? Because there's not like a temple next door, right? (laughs) But they're they're still, you know, in the era where there's still a temple uh, up till 70 AD when it all gets destroyed. (laughs) And and, and so there's this kind of, you know, what do I go back to it? Uh, It says this, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to release it. But when God found fault in people, he said. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, Jesus was not plan B. It was always God's plan. But, uh, <laughs> but it was something meant to draw people to Jesus. No amount of sacrifice sheep could pay for our sin. But ultimately, it points to the one to come. Now, and here we hit, for those of you who are nerdy like me and like to know things like this, it's the longest quote of the Hebrew Bible in the New Testament. Uh, and we're going to go... From it's in Jeremiah. Um, Denise and I spent a lot of time talking about Jeremiah recently, and we did the other day because I was working on this, and uh, uh, lots of fun stuff. I know it's, he was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. Um, <laughs> if, if you're thinking the bullfrog, we need to go back to Bible 101. <laughs> uh, but Jeremiah, not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. It says this, you know, this is quote. It says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I t- took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. And if you read the book of Exodus, basically God brings the people out of Egypt and, you know, he makes a covenant, a promise, and there was, like, requirements, like, uh, you do this, and I'll do this. Like, I'll bring you into the land, but you have to be faithful, and, and if you know the story, <laughs> this is kind of a common story, and as we, we studied, some of us studied the book of Judges a while back, gosh, that's been a few years now, but if you read, like, the book of Judges, I think, is a great example of that, because I remember having read through the, you know, the, the, the first couple of books of the Bible, and I get to Judges, and it's, you know, they're like, hey, make sure you tell your kids about this, and then the Judges is this story of, hey, people live for God, and then they, until they didn't. And this whole new generation grows up, doesn't really know God, what he did. They kind of get influenced by the people around him. They sin, uh, and then they get taken over, and then they, uh, God raises up a judge who's like, hey, we need to worship God, and, and then everyone kind of comes back. And guess what happens after everyone rallies around? They're like, yeah, we, we're back with God. And what, guess what happens? It's again, it's a cycle. And it's sort of this, this cycle through Israel's history. They, they, they worship God, then they don't so much. Uh, and so Jeremiah's dealing with the same thing. Uh, and people aren't faithful to God. Leaders are sinning. Injustice reigns. Widows and orphans are the most vulnerable population. They're suffering. Ultimately, judgment comes. And it, God allows a, a Babylon to come in, takes the city, hauls off people, destroys the temple. Uh, and so often, you know, God's judgment comes. (laughs) Verse 10 says this, but this is the new covenant I will make with my people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Uh, So it's this new covenant. Along with judgment, God's always bringing hope. And even, so when you read the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament, there's always, hey, you did this wrong, there's judgment coming, but there's always this, but there's hope. And we did the, man, it's been a long time since we did the, the, the Minor Prophets. That was a good series, too. Man, I love that. Because there's always this, hey, but hey, Jesus is coming. Hey, there, there, there's, there's hope. There's hope for you. Because uh, God doesn't just leave people in judgment. God is always, you know, again, the, the story of the Bible is the story of Jesus coming. And it's throughout the, the history of it. It says, um, the, they write the laws in their minds and their hearts. It, it's, it's not just a list that gets handed to you, but this new covenant becomes this eternal thing 
uh, where, where, where we have God's covenant written on our hearts. It's, it says, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Uh, now, not need to teach, you know, am I out of a job? You know, because pretty much the only skill I got is teaching the Bible. And, you know, if we don't no need to teach, it's okay. Don't worry. I got chainsaw skills. I got chemistry skills. I'll, I'll, I'll do something. You know, I don't have administrative skills. <laughs> You're going to laugh, though. I used to work as an administrative assistant. I can do it. It just drives me nuts. I don't know how so many people do it. Some of you are great administrators. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but, but the Bible also says, Ephesians 4 says now, these are the, the gifts Christ gave the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so, so that's really not what, 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 I, what I think the author is getting at here, is the key is here, they will know me already, <laughs> and, and, and God's will is for everyone to know him, and then you don't have to tell anyone about him, because they know him, <laughs> and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Uh, now, it's not that God forgets. Some people are like, so God doesn't remember my sins? No, he, he doesn't remember them in the sense of bringing them up. You know, it's kind of like you know stuff at the dinner table, and you don't bring it up. <laughs> That's it. It's God, God, God's forgiven it. He's not bringing it up at the dinner table. Um, when it says this, this is, the, is the exciting part. When God speaks a new covenant, it means that he, he has made the first one obsolete and is out of date and will soon disappear. A new covenant. Now, the old one was great, right? Like, if you read the Hebrew, Hebrew Bible, love it. It's our, it's, you know, uh, it, it's Israel's history. It's, a, it's, it's, it's part of our faith. Lots of cool things in there. I, you know, lots of really, really neat things. And you learn a lot about God. But, you know, uh, the new one, the new covenant's better. Now, anyone have an iPhone or an Android phone. We're actually recording on one right now. I don't know which one because I can't tell from here. And the little, little sim, you know, the, it, we're not going to have this service brought to you by Apple or Android. I don't know. It's just a phone. <laughs> anyway, I remember my first iPhone. I'm sorry, I'm an iPhone guy. You know, some of us are Android people. We all get along, though. This is the church where Apple and Android come together. Uh, and, you know, people who like Mac and people who like Windows, people who like the Oxford comma, people who don't. Um, people who like the Steelers and others. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got some Pittsburgh in the house. Um, I'm from here, but, you know, lived in Pittsburgh. It just rubs off on you. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, but I remember getting my, like, my first iPhone. I did not get the first one that came out. I just couldn't justify it. But it got to the point where it was hard because I'm on the go, and, like, I was, like, trying to negotiate real estate stuff and different things. I was like, I just got to finally get an iPhone. So I got, like, I think it was, like, the, the 4S or something. Some of you, some of you are smiling nostalgically because, like, and I'll tell you, when I got that thing, it was amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I, I thought it was. But if you, you know, your first smartphone, you're like, oh my gosh, it does all this cool stuff. I still remember flip phones, although sometimes I want to go back to a flip phone. And I remember, like, it was awesome. And you know what? I don't know if I still have it. It might still be in a drawer somewhere. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't use that 4S anymore, right? Actually, I have an XR in case you care. Um, some of you who are nerdy, but I, because eventually, you know, the, I, it got replaced, got replaced, got replaced. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you know, the the, the 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 iPhone 4 or 4S was great, but the new is better. 
Now, there can be some times where you think the models are a regression, but generally, it's not, it's the, the, the new one's kind of a better deal. It does more things. It has more memory. It has, always has a better camera. Like, they're always trying to sell me a phone with a better camera. Like, that's not really the selling point for me. I just want a phone that works and gets my email and all that stuff. But, but, but you know, here's the thing. The, the new is better. You know, and most of us would not be like, oh, well, I've got this new phone, but I'm going to go start using my old one again, right? You usually, you'll use have that old one in the drawer for when you break or lose your other one. Can I get a note okay, Just a couple of us. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. But for a lot of us, when it comes to faith, you know, Jesus said, you know, don't, it's hard to, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Sometimes we can kind of turn back to the old things that really didn't serve us the best. Now, and in this letter, they're, they're talking about, like, kind of turning back to Judaism, even though they're following Jesus. They're, they're wrestling with some of that stuff. Most of us probably aren't wrestling, although I have a lot of, like, Christian friends who, who don't just like the, and appreciate the Old Testament. They want to go back to the dietary laws and all kinds of things, and I'm like, no, <laughs> new is better. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, new, new wine, old wineskins. Uh, now, you know, for me, I, I remember... Uh, I distinctly remember in my process of coming to faith, it was reading, I'm reading the Bible, different things, and you find out that, you know, I was just amazed as God that wants a relationship with me. You know, I was like, this is amazing stuff. But here's the thing, it was tempting over the, the years to, you're, you're, you can go from having this relationship with God to drifting back to just the external, just the, the formal things, and, and I'm not saying whether you like praise songs or whether you like hymns or that, but it's like even like we, we've talked about the you know, Bible reading. Bible reading can be a life-changing, transforming thing, or it can be just something you're checking off the list and being done. And so we, we have to be careful that we don't take a vibrant faith and turn back to the old thing that, that's not giving us life. Uh, but we have this great deal because Jesus is our high priest. It means he mediates for us. His sacrifice covers our sin. No one brought a sheep this morning to church, did you? Oh. <laughs> Some of you pointed at your spouse. I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, but, you know, the... <laughs> I, I like I love the snow, and I'm from Delaware, so we don't get a lot of snow. And I know some of you are, you know, watching at home because you didn't make out in the snow. It's awesome. You should go play in it. Uh, but but you know, I, I like the snow, and I, I live in Pittsburgh for a while, where we get a little bit more snow. We lived up in New England, and like I remember, we get snow by the foot up there. And they like we were like we were working with kids at the time. We we're like calling around trying to figure out where the kids are because we had a foot of snow, uh, and like finally got a hold of them. They're like, where, I was like, where have you been all day? They're like, school. And I'm like. But if it snowed like a foot last night, they're like, yeah? <laughs> like, why would I not be in school? The school buses have chains on them and, you know, just a different world. Uh, but, you know, I, the thing I like about the snow is, like, right now, if you went to my yard when it's not snowing and we're still cleaning up from the tornado, it is more ghetto than it normally is. Like, it, it's pretty bad looking. And we, we're still trying to figure out where the property lines are, so we haven't done some of the site work we need to do. We need to finish a couple things. Anyway, it looks pretty bad. But right now, it's so beautiful, right? Because the snow covers it, and, the, and sort of that, that white blanket covers over all the sin, if you will. Uh, and so, you know, uh, it looks beautiful and pure. And Jesus is like a blanket of snow. Jesus covers over our sin. 
And so we, we have this high priest. He, he's covered over our sin. And then this is the, the, the part I got so jazzed about the other day. I'm sitting in my deer stand, and I'm trying to hunt. And I'm just like, I just want to get down and write some of this down. I'm like trying to type it on my phone, but my fingers are cold. Nothing was moving. It was pretty because it, it was snowing while I was in the deer stand, which is like a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I, but I was just wishing I was not. And then I was t- tired, and I fell asleep in the deer stand, which is not a good thing because I didn't have my safety straps on. <laughs> and it was icy and bad, bad idea. But <laughs> amidst all the danger, and that's why I, I'm always surprised I, I, I lived as long as I have, because I'm really stupid. Uh, <laughs> for someone who, you know, likes smart things, I'm really dumb sometimes. But <laughs> um, some of you are like, yes, you're just a dude. Um, anyway, <laughs> hunting, I had lots of time to eat. No heat, but I had time. <laughs> but here's the thing, we have the presence of God in our lives. And I was thinking about a conversation, you know, I had recently with someone who's of another faith, and I'm just like, oh, because, you know, they, they don't have this, this, this sense of the Holy Spirit in them. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it changes everything, right? And, and so, you know, the, the, the presence of God used to be in the temple, and that's where you went to have the presence of God. Now, the, the, the presence of God is in us. God gives us his presence. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 13, says this, and we've read this before, but I love it. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. You know, God gives us the Holy Spirit when we believe. It says this is the Spirit's guarantee that it will give us the inheritance he promised that he purchased us to be his own people. You know, he, you know, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I know I, I use this analogy every time, but I think about it all the time. And I think of Toy Story. Anyone ever see Toy Story in the movie? It's, you know, Pixar's greatest film, perhaps, you know. Anyway, I love all the Toy Stories. You can tell how old my kids are by, like, which of the, you know, Pixar movies, you know, are most in my mind. But, like, we watched that, I think, a bazillion times. Um, and I love it. There's this, you know, scene, and, and um, you know, they, Andy writes his name on the bottom of Buzz's foot. That's so powerful. Why? Why, why, why did he write it on there? Because it's his toy, right? It's his. And that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. The Holy Spirit, you know, inscribes, uh, you know, his name on us. You know, he identified us as his own. Uh, and so, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, sorry, verse 21. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. It's the first installment. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment. Some of you are in the real estate market. You're buying houses. Some of you are selling houses, you know, but it, it, it's the down payment. Cars are expensive now. Man, Calvin posted that one for like $160,000. Man, I've owned houses that didn't cost that. <laughs> uh, but not that I'm saying, you know, Calvin just posted one he saw. Anyway, uh, but you, you can go check out Calvin's post if you want later. But, you know, you, know, you put a down payment on something, uh, you know, it's, it's the first installment, and it's sort of a guarantee, a promise that you're going to buy the house in the future. Um, and I, was, I always think of, like, the samples at the ice cream store. That's, a, you know, because it's, it's like, it's, it's a sample, it's a taste. But, you know, 
some of you, I guess if you're real cheap, you just go get like, uh, go to, you know, 41 flavors, get 41 tastes, and you're done. You know. <laughs> that would drive me nuts, both as an employee and as someone who's taking, because it's like, you don't want to just like a little sample spoon, right? Like when you get home and you sit down with like a half gallon of ice cream, you're not like with a little sample spoon, are you? If it is, you either have a lot of self-control or some health issue, mental health issues you got. <laughs> but, you know, you want a big old spoon, right? It, the, 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 the taste is just a sample. It, it's better things are even coming. Or, you know, I, I don't think they could do this with COVID. Like, you know, you go to the mall and they used to like always like the dude always trying to give you like the chicken sample as you come in. Uh, you know, <laughs> I made kids on a scavenger hunt where we were fasting, get the sample Kid came back with toothpicks. I'm like, where's the sample? He's like, I ate it. I'm like, we're on a 40-hour fast for hunger. Oh. <laughs> it backfired on me to be cruel. Uh, youth ministry's fun, though. But you know, you don't want just the sample, right? The sample is just this taste of something to come. You want the whole buffet. <laughs> you want Chinatown. <laughs> you know, or the engagement ring. It's just, it's this, it's this marker. It's this first installment. That, that there's this greater thing to come. And it's just, you know, everything, you know, is promised. Um, the best promise we can have here is ultimately the, this life with God. And the Holy Spirit, it's both the promise of, of this future thing, but it's also something that changes the way we live now. When you allow the Holy Spirit, not just to, like it comes in you when you believe, but then you can allow it to kind of like live out through you. And God will direct you. God, he'll, he'll focus you. He'll bring you places you never thought you'd go. <laughs> and it's, this, it's this, this better way of living, this better way of life. You know, John 10, 10, which I quote occasionally, you know, uh, part A is the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Bad stuff. But 10, 10, B is, but I've, Jesus says, I've come that he may have life and have it to the full. And, and there's this, this, this is full life. And so much of that comes by, you know, one, when we, we accept Christ and we, you know, we, we, we believe who he is and we commit our lives to following him. But that's when the Holy Spirit comes into us and you can live this different life now. You, you, you can live a better life now. It's this better way to live if we allow the Holy Spirit then to direct our lives. Um, you know, I, we just finished, or today we'll finish, for some of us, the 28-day challenge. Now, Will told me I should have done it in February because there's 28 days, but, you know, if you don't like organized Bible challenges, try me. <laughs> anyway, uh, here's the thing. Some of you have no idea what we're talking Basically, we just said, hey, um, you know, kind of starting off the new year, let's just try to read scripture every day. And so, gospel is usually a good place to land. I was, it was, I was, I was, I was struggling between whether to do Matthew or Leviticus. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I put it up to a vote, and you voted for Leviticus, but no. Uh, but 28 Day Challenge, just basically reading a chapter a day, and for some people, it, it, it's just, maybe you start off reading the Bible, it doesn't work out. Or, or you, you know, you start off and then you kind of like taper off. But the idea that granted we had a, a Facebook group to kind of encourage people to read and people posted questions. I'm probably going to make it into a series or a Bible study or something. But because um, you guys had some good questions. Um, some of them I've answered before, but <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. It's not meant to be a guilt trip. Like, oh, I didn't make it through the 28 days because 
don't raise your hand. Who here didn't make the 28 days? You know, you're like, oh, yes. I'm like on chapter 23. Everyone else is on 28. I I know I messed up somewhere. Or I finished four days early, and I don't think I... (laughs) Anyway, it's not meant to be a... It's not meant to be a guilt trip. It's not to be about like legalism, like, oh, if you don't read the Bible, you're, you're somehow not going to heaven. But it's a step of faithfulness that can be life-changing. When you read the scripture, there's something about it that focuses us on God more than ourselves. And for some of you, it may not be reading the scripture. Some of you might be listening to it. You know, it's not like reading is magical. I do like reading, don't get me wrong. But, you know, for some of us, listening listening to a chapter a day, you know, uh, li- listening to a whole book a day, if you can. Uh, you know, when I, when I drive, sometimes I just turn on scripture and listen to it, because you, you hear things differently. Uh, but scripture focuses on, on God, so I encourage you to keep reading or listening to scriptures. Don't end at 28 days. It's not like, okay, we're done now. <laughs> because it, it's something that, that gives us this different way of, of this power for living. Now, yesterday morning, I decided because I hadn't charged my phone the night before. You know, usually I leave it on the charger at night, didn't, you know, I just went to bed and got up in the morning. I was, I kind of knew I didn't have to get up really early, um, so I slept into like 610. Uh, <laughs> those of you who are old men will get it. It's just uh, some of you not, maybe. Uh, I'm at the point now where sleeping in is like 6 a.m. Like, I slept in until 6. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a horrible thing. Uh, <laughs> I, used to, I used to go to sleep till noon. Man, remember those days? Anyone? No, no, good days. Anyway, uh, so uh, my phone was kind of near the end there, so I plugged it in because I knew we were going to go out and like shovel snow and wanted to make sure, you know. So after a couple hours, I, I picked it up, it was like, uh, and I looked at it, and it was actually lower than it was when I plugged it in. So you, what, you start like thinking, well, what's wrong? You know, it's like you're looking at it, and I'm like, oh, it's plugged in, and you know, the cord, maybe the cord's wrong. Then I look over, and I never plugged the cord into the wall thingy. I don't know what those things are called. Anyone ever do this, too? Yeah. So it was plugged in, but it wasn't plugged into the source. <laughs> and so it really, after, you know, an hour and a half or more, it was lower than before. Because, um, you know, here's the thing. We need to stay plugged into the source. You know, the Holy Spirit is in us, but we need to, it's not like we need to energize the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but, but the more we're plugged into Jesus, the more we're plugged into reading, uh, it, it, it allows us to, to live this different way. And God gives us his presence in the Holy Spirit living inside us. Uh, you know, some of you think about that for a second. You know, but here's the thing. Sometimes we have, maybe this is just me. Anyone ever have their wife talking to them? And they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they realize they have no idea what they said. (laughs) Or what happens to the wives, too. I'm just saying, because as a dude, like, sometimes I'm just trying to do a thousand things at once sometimes. And, like, I'm trying to reply to messages and things. And, uh, you know, it's like distracted presence. It was like, I could be like, honey, I was with you all day. No, I wasn't. You were on your phone all day. All right. So, like, I, I try to put down the phone sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you try to, like, kind of just have a conversation without the phone. And it doesn't have to be between married couples. I just know dudes sometimes were that way. <laughs> uh, or some of you are better than me, perhaps. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's kind of like distracted presence. Because I, I really, you know, at some point we have to go, what? What are we talking about? Um, you kind of have to put the phone away, right? Because if you want a real relationship, you have to have a not distracted presence. 
Um, if some of you don't know what I mean, your wives will explain it when you get home, uh, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> real presence is, is setting it down and really focusing. And sometimes I think it's, it's that way with us. It's like we have this potential for a real presence with God, but if we're not careful, it's a distracted presence. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've read a chapter of the Bible and been like, what did I read? Okay, just a, a couple of us are honest, too. Because <laughs> it's like you're thinking about other things, right? And so I, I've learned things like, okay, if I can't tell you what I just read, I probably need to refocus, read again. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, you know, sometimes I need to, I have to carry like a pad of paper. Or I have to like write down things that are distracting me because then if I put it on my to-do list, I can forget about it. Anyone else? But, but you know, we have to practice that, 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 that real presence of God. <laughs> so we can have him in our lives, because it really is this, this great privilege to have the Holy Spirit in us, but we need to take advantage of that. That sounds bad. <laughs> we need to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so we can have that full life that really God calls us to live. 